0: Church, today we're reading from Nehemiah 1 3 to 9. And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before your day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there.
1: Amen. Thank you, Kesia. Good morning, Edge City Church. Make some noise. All right, all right. Got a lively crowd here. Uh, welcome to. Edge City Church, um, welcome to this, tri- this season of Edge City Church, Mineola, and Hope Church, Long Island coming together, and we're so excited that everyone's going to be coming back to um, our campuses next Sunday. Um, would you join me in a word of prayer? And I'll continue. Uh, Father God, we just come before you right now, Lord. Thank you for your sweet presence that's already here, uh, for moving in such a special way during worship, Lord. We just leave uh, this time right now that you would move in a deeper fashion. Lord, I hide myself behind the cross that I will get out of the way, that you will be seen. I love you, God. I praise you. I magnify your name. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, so for those of you that are new, um, just want to to share with you, we are in a series called Heroes, uh, flipping the script, pointing to Jesus Christ as the ultimate hero. And just to give you a little backdrop, of what's happening? You see, um, in this narrative, we have learned that um, intimacy between uh, us and God was lost very quickly in the story. We see that in the Book of Genesis, and from that moment on, what we see is that God has been on a mission. He's been on a mission. He's been hatching a plan, and Um, just kind of evolving this enormous project, uh, something that spanned thousands of years, involving hundreds of thousands of people. And the goal of this specific plan, the goal of this enormous project is to restore intimacy between us and God, restore intimacy between his beloved creation. And so what God did was he started a nation, and uh, he began a group within a group and it started with this guy by the name of Abraham and it started with this nation by the name of Israel and so with Israel God put a series of covenants and laid a road map through which he would deliver uh, the messiah the messiah would come God, through this nation, was protecting the bloodline. He was uh, protecting the covenants, the line through which Jesus Christ would come. And so the children of Israel kind of you know, walk uh, their way through a lot of adventures. Uh, over a thousand years or more and just hundreds of years and they have ups and they have downs like you and I have ups and downs, right? And so they have these periods of their life where there's intense fidelity to God and then there are these periods in their life where there's intense um, infidelity toward God. And every time what happens is every time they go astray, God brings a prophet in their life to restore them. And so because it is they that carry the bloodline of Jesus Christ, right? It is the, the Jewish people that carry the covenant. And so where we drop in the narrative today, as Kezia read for us, we are dropping into the book of Nehemiah. And so if you, haven't, uh, if you don't know the history, um, let me sh- share this as well. The children of Israel have been split into two separate nations. You have Israel and you have Judah. Um, Israel was uh, swallowed by the Assyrian Empire in the year 722 B.C. Judah was swallowed by the Babylonian Empire in the year 586 B.C. And so the children of Israel here that were in this context are in exile in Babylon, and Jerusalem was basically uninhabited. And the people are returning to Jerusalem as exiles, uh, as permission by the king of Persia now because the Persian Empire came and conquered the Babylonian Empire in the year 539 BC. So now, where we are today, 100 years have passed, and now it's around the year 444 BC. So let me say this. If you are a Jewish person at this particular time, there is a lot to complain about. There is a lot of things that are not going well for you if you are a Jewish person at this time. So here's the deal. Let me ask you a question. And the question is, does anybody here know somebody in their life who's like this Olympic gold medalist in complaining? Do you know somebody who is an Olympic gold medalist in complaining? Like complaining is like their life's calling, right? And I mean this, like I get it. Everybody complains every once in a while, you know. There's things that bother folks and I understand, we understand, we can empathize with that. But every once in a while, you come across somebody and you know the person's name is popping up in your mind right now, usually you can just pick that person immediately out because there is this percentage of people on the planet who feel like complaining is their job. I mean, it doesn't matter how things are going, they're going to find something to complain about. You know, somebody like that. Like, if they were a cartoon character, they would be Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Right, like, everything's terrible. I don't know why this happened to me. Somebody that complains and complains. Let me, do you know why there are so many, there's complainers in the world? Do you know why everyone knows somebody who's like that? Because complaining is easy. It's easy, right? It's, it's a lot easier to complain than it is to do something that is bothering you. It's a lot easier to complain than to step up and to be proactive about what's happening. And so today we're dropping in the narrative and we're going to meet this guy, the main character named Nehemiah. And what's happening in the life of Nehemiah, he's kind of the key character here, uh, because um, this guy, Nehemiah, he is the king's cup bearer. King Cyrus has come and gone. King Xerxes has come and gone. And the empire is now being run by a guy by the name of Artaxerxes. And he is, um, and Nehemiah is his cup bearer. And so he brings the king his wine to make sure that everything is okay. He has access to the king. And now Nehemiah is asking, hey, you know, how are things going back home? Like if, if you remember, uh, there was a round of just um, exiles that would go back um, to Jerusalem years ago. And so these were the guys that were going back that spent, um, they spent 16 years Trying to work on the temple and to reconstruct it, but they eventually gave up. And so now exiles are returning in waves, and Jerusalem is starting to be inhabited again. And um, Nehemiah is homesick, right? He is. He knows that the Jewish Jerusalem is his city. He knows that Jerusalem is his home. And um, if you've ever been away from home. Like, I don't know if anyone here are, are exiles from your home country, right? I mean, maybe you've been away for college from your home. Maybe you're, you know, away on business or you're deployed in the military or, or something like that, right? Something like that, and you're away for, from your home for a long time. You never stop missing your home, right? There's something in you that you never stop missing like, you're your, your home. And, and Nehemiah, he longs for Jerusalem. He he asks, he asks from time to time because, you know, he has contact with folks, and he asks, how are things going back home? And what he hears is terrible. He, he hears that the very walls of Jerusalem are just falling apart. And what Nehemiah, and what we have in Nehemiah is, is just, is this very rare, like, first-person account that's happening here, because most of the Old Testament is a third-person account. Nehemiah is writing in the first person, telling us how he felt and what happened to him as he learned about the stuff and what he did about it. So this is what we find. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. This is what it reads... I have never, I have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and statutes and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. All right, so what we see here is the big theme of the Bible. The big theme of the Bible is the glory of God. That's the big theme of the Bible. Nehemiah identifies, as Moses identified, that Jerusalem was a place that God chose for his name to be honored For God to receive glory. And this is a huge deal, right? This is a big deal. And so now Nehemiah does something that is pretty important here. First of all, he's troubled, right? He's troubled to the point like he wants to do something. Nehemiah hears that the walls of the city of Jerusalem are in ruins. And I know that if you're not familiar with biblical history, you hear that. You hear that the walls of Jerusalem are just you know, ruin, you're like, ah, eh, who cares, right? I mean, it's not a big deal to us, right? Because we don't, have wall- we don't have walls around our city. Like, our cities have interstate highways, right, that run in and out of our cities. But you see, in biblical days, cities had walls. A city without a wall wasn't a city. A city without a walls didn't have an identity. A city without a wall's could easily be conquered. A city without a wall was someplace barren where jackals and dogs roamed. And also, this is also a point of national pride here, right? Right? This was a big deal for the Jewish people. This was a big thing that the city would um, lie in ruin here. And so Nehemiah decides that this is terrible. This is awful what's happening. And so he has an option. He could could start complaining about it, right? Like He could start complaining, ah, you know, these walls, man. The Babylonians came in and they ruined our lives. Those Babylonians he can start complaining and just kind of just run his mouth and complain and complain. But what does he he do? He decides, you know what? I'm going to take my issue with God. And I'm going to tell God um, about this. I'm going to talk to God about this. And what he's doing is as he comes to God, it's not complaining, right? If you'll notice, Nehemiah does something that complainers are almost categorically incapable of doing. Nehemiah acknowledges that he is part of the problem. He acknowledges that he is part of the problem. He's like, I know I'm a part of this issue. I'm a part of it. Like, I am not here blaming other people Like, I'm not going to blame somebody else. I I don't want to complain and mourn about how, you know, uh, these other people are so horrible, right? And I'm going to ask you, oh God, to go and punish them. But I'm just letting you know, God, I'm I'm fessing up right now to you, God. Like, my family, you know, me, right? I'm a part of this problem here. But I want to return to you, God. I wanna to return to you. And I just think that that is just such a beautiful example of where many of us may find ourselves today, right? We may find ourselves in that same place. Let me ask you a question Have you ever been there before? Like, have you ever made a mess of your life? Just some point in your life, a complete mess of your life. I have, right? You you just find yourself in this terrible situation and you made this awful mistake and you look and you go, ah, like I can't believe this is happening to me. And you have the option, right? You certainly can complain about that. You can do that. There's no shortage of complainers. But man, if you can acknowledge a little bit that you are part of the problem, right? That you can go to the Lord and you can say, God, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to you. And so what happens is he, he, he brings it to God, and then God kind of gives him an idea. And now Nehemiah, what he decides is, hey, I, I want to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Like, I want to spearhead this project." I want to help to restore security and identity to my city. I want to be a part of that because that's the place that God has chosen to be honored, my city. And I'm going to get after that. And he knows instantly, instantly that he is not going to be able to do anything without the blessings of King Artaxerxes. Well, thankfully, he is the cupbearer for the king, right? And so he has access to the king. Now, as I was sharing with Esther, like he, can't, he can't just go and walk in and start a conversation with a king like that. He, he has to wait for the king to initiate with him. And so what Nehemiah does is he makes it very obvious that he is tr- very troubled, right? Where normally if he was having a bad day, Nehemiah would probably just, you know, he just, he just go back to work. He'll, he'll be happy because he's a professional, right? Like, he, you're, you're a professional, it's your job, you're gonna, he's going to show up to work, he's going to just do his job. But what he decides is that he's got to get the king to initiate a conversation with him. And so for the next week or so, he, he, he brings the king uh, wine, and he, you know, he does this whole Eeyore routine, right? Like, here's your wine, Artaxerxes, here you go. And now for a couple of days, the king's like, all right, right, whatever, right, whatever. And then finally, after a couple of days, the king's like, all right, Nehemiah, like what's bothering you? What's going on with you, buddy? Nehemiah says to him, like, man, like, king, how can I be joyful when my city lies in ruins? And basically what happens is, you know, here another beautiful instant, amazing instant where God turns the heart of the king, and King Artaxerxes says, "You know what, Nehemiah? You you are absolutely right. Right? It's just been far too long." You know what? I am going to give you all the supplies that you need. I am going to give you all the people that you need. I'm going to allow another round of exiles to return home to Jerusalem, right? And, and there was just so much rejoicing. People were so happy. People were just so excited. They're going crazy. And the walls of Jerusalem are now, it begins to be built. But, of course, as you may have guessed, There are a few people who may not have been happy about it, as in the title of our message today, Haters Gonna Hate. Some of the local officials, some of the people who live closer there, who are higher-ups in the empire, are not really happy about this idea that the Jewish people are going to regain their identity. Right? They're going to reestablish some kind of cultural base and so what happens is there's, you know, this one particular ruler who's, you know, his name is Sanballat and he's really mad about this. So let's read what happens here. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1, to 3. This is what it reads. Now when S- S- uh, Sanballat heard that, he, that we were building the wall, and I remember, this is first person, right? First person narrative. That we were um, building a wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these, fee- f- these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and, and burned ones at that? Tobiah the, Am- the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building if, 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 if foxes go up on it, he will break down their stone wall. All right. So here's a couple of things that, um, just to give you a heads up on here. Um, if you're going to play the part that God has given you to play in his amazing story, you're going to be made fun of. You're going to be made fun of. There's going to be people that are going to hate. Haters are going to hate. There are going to be people that are going to make fun of you. There will always be haters. There will always be somebody there that is going to give you a hard time about it. Somebody that's going to say, don't do it. Don't be different. Don't honor God. Don't deviate from the norm. Don't do that. Don't step out in faith. And they won't use those words exactly. But that's what they're essentially saying, though. Some of you are here and you know what I mean. You know what I am talking to you. Like, you know what I'm talking about. There is always going to be somebody to discourage you when you take that step of faith. Believe me when I tell you, those voices are very close to me when I planted uh, this church by the name of Hope Church Long Island six years ago in the summer of 2014. Just voices and people just kind of saying, like, Finn, you're, you know, like, nobody's going to come to your church. You're, you're a youth pastor. You're going to have a church full of teenagers. <laughs> you know, Finn, you're a youth minister uh, who's a God... For those of you who don't know, I was a gospel rapper for for 10 years, and I got to travel and do all that other great stuff. And so people are saying... You're, you're going to have a church full of hip hoppers that's coming to your church, right? Like, I don't know if, I don't know if this is going to be possible. And I'm like, you know, I don't care. Like, whoever comes, comes, right? And, but there were people that were thinking that I'm not, I'm not capable of doing that, of stepping out of being a church planter, right? And I'll never forget this one guy. Oh, like, he would just get out of my holy nerves. This one guy, Right? You know, at the beginning of 2015, and kind of gathering folks together to plant this church, and this guy just snoring just very condescending, right? And he was just, you know, and I was so insecure with myself just as a church planter, just becoming this lead pastor, having a congregation, and just come up to me, and just, you know, uh, put his arms around me and be like, so tell me, Finney, you know, where is this church going to be? You know, like, how many people do you have in this church? Um seven people at the time right now right? he would like give me a smirk and he would be like you know how are you speak to youth for like 10 15 years you've been doing that all of a sudden you're going to be speaking to adults like every sunday uh, how are you going to support your you're doing well how are you going to support your family now on on, on a pastor's income right and how wh- wh- how are you going to preach like every sunday how are you going to speak to adults regularly now, right? And I was just, just very annoyed. <laughs> I was also very scared, right? just hearing this. But, you know, um, I didn't know if I was going to succeed. I had no idea. I, I knew I had the education. I knew I had the ministry background. I knew all of that, but it's just very insecure. I, and there's a place where when someone says something, it's out of care. But I knew this wasn't out of care, right? And so let me say this to you. Do you know why somebody, why there's always somebody there to cut you down when you step out in faith? Do you know why is there always somebody there to make fun of you when you are trying to just honor God? You know why? Because your faithfulness reminds them of their faithlessness. Your courage reminds them of their cowardice. Your passion reminds them of their indifference. Because you stepping out in faith and playing the part that God has given you to play, you are reminding them at a subconscious level that their life is small, right? And it bothers them, right? Because they didn't take that step. And they don't, they don't want to play the part in the larger story because when you do, when you do it reminds them of somehow how they failed to, to take that step of faith to play the part that God's given them to play. Right? My story is different. That was church planting. Yours could be something different. It's totally different for each and every one of us. And so it's easier right, for them to pull you down. It's easier for them to make fun of you and to give you a hard time about honoring God, than it is for them to be like, you know what, maybe I should step out in faith. But <laughs> you know why? Because that would take guts, that would take courage, that requires faith, that requires something else. So you wanna step out in faith, you wanna honor God, be ready. Be ready, because somebody will be right there to make fun of you, right? And Nehemiah experiences this here. And if you read the book of Nehemiah, you'll see that it's ongoing. It's ongoing and ongoing, and people are being harassed, and workers are are taunted. And Nehemiah, what he's got to do is Nehemiah's got to stay focused. He has to stay focused. And finally, the work continues, and the walls are completed, and now all they have to do is rebuild the gates of the city. And this is going to be a huge project that they have to do, right? And so having been unsuccessful at their attempts to to taunt these guys to stop the work that they're doing, right, having been unsuccessful at threatening them, what these haters do these haters decide that they are going to decide to hatch a plan to kill Nehemiah, to, pull, to, to really just pull him off of his job physically. That's what they want to do. And so here's what we see in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It reads like this. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, "'Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono,' but they intended to do, more, to do me harm.' And I send messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I, I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent and they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. So, teaching point number two: if you're gonna play a part that God's given you to play, you're gonna need focus. You are going to need focus there will be a thousand distractions. There will be a thousand off-ramps. There will be a thousand just other opportunities to go. Yeah, I think maybe I won't do that. I think I better not. You know, I, this person wants me to go this way. This person wants me to go that way. And normally what happens is those distractions have great justification results with them, right? Like, so what I mean by that is this, is that if you've been called by God to do something, a lot of times you'll see these off-ramps, it feels something like this. You know, if I keep going that way, there will, you know, I will really inconvenience my friends. I will hurt my family. Or, Or, you know, if I think, I think I better stop for the sake of somebody else. And then you'll just concoct or just come up with this, this seemingly altruistic reason, right, why, that God has given you to play, why you shouldn't play that part. And you'll kind of just zag off to the left, you'll zag off to the right, and you'll peel off this plan that was there for you. And if you're going to follow the play, and play the part that God's given you to play, you're going to need focus. You're going to need Focus. You're going to need to be able to say that, you know what? I don't care if this person, that person disapproves of me. I'm, not, I, I'm so sorry if my stepping out in faith becomes an inconvenience to you and to you and to you. And sometimes the you and the you might involve family members as well. And so you're going to have a hard time with that. But what you're going to have to figure out is you got a question. The question is ultimately... Whose opinion, ultimately, do you want, right? Do you want God's opinion, or do you want people's opinion? Right, and you're going to have to say, like, I I want God's approval. And you're going to have to decide whose approval is it that's more important to you. Is it the approval of God, or is it the approval of people? Because if you step out in faith and play the part that God's given you to play in his story, there's always going to be people to make fun of you. There's always going to be people to distract you, and you're going to need tenacity, right? You're going to need focus. And if you have these things and you do stay connected to God, right, you're going to see something spectacular. You're going to see something so amazing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. This is the apostle Paul hundreds of years later. This is what he says. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, right? Work willingly, he's saying, whatever you do. And that means, you know, already whatever you're doing. For some of you, God's calling you to do something new. And for some of you, God's calling you to do exactly what you're doing, but for different means. He's calling you to show up to work tomorrow and like, you know what? And just say, hey, my boss isn't my boss. Like God is my boss. Like even if my boss isn't, even, isn't watching me, like I'm going to honor God with my work here, because I know God is watching. I'm going to live my life to honor God. Matthew 6:33 says this, "But seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I right, seek the kingdom of God all right, above all else, right, and look to play the part that He's given you to play. And you will see the covenant fulfilled. You will see the rediscovery of intimacy with God. As I invite the worship team to come forward, would you join me in a word of just reflection and and prayer and take a minute just to look at our life, right? Here we see this picture of Nehemiah. I mean, Nehemiah leads the people toward trust in a strong and trustworthy God. You see, Jerusalem is this place that God chose for his name to be honored. The wall rebuilt, right, built under Nehemiah's direction, pictures, not a fearful retreat or isolation, but rather God's protection of this people whom he has chosen and through who he will accomplish his redemptive plan for the human race. Through the ultimate hero in Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ came to this world to build that connection with us and God at one time we were blind but God opened our eyes that we see that if you're here today if you don't know Jesus that you would say "Oh, oh Lord I give you my life right now I surrender it all Lord I believe that you came into this world 2,000 years ago and you died for me and you rose again on the third day. And Lord, I believe in you. You are the ultimate hero, God. Oh, Lord, help us today, Father, to be focused on you, not to allow the distractions, not to allow those discouragements, to bring us down, Lord, as we see in Nehemiah, Father, but to be focused on you and what you have called us to be. Help us, O God. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray.